Hey, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome to Red Rock Harley Live on the Vegas Video Network, coming to you live today from the showroom floor here at Red Rock Harley-Davidson. My name is Vince Argentine, service manager, also your host of Red Rock Harley Live. The show for Harley enthusiasts who are always looking to get the latest and greatest about the best motorcycles in the world. We're here today, we're gonna help you to get the most out of your bike by throwing you some insider information and overall to help enhance your motorcycle experience. So as pleasure as always here with us today, Ms. Brandy Hull, how are you Brandy? I'm good, how are you? Good, thank you for hanging out with us today. <laughs> thank you. We would like to announce and welcome Brandy as part of the team here at Red Rock Harley Davidson as our new marketing coordinator. A lot of you guys out there already know her. We're gonna take a chance to get her get to know her a lot better on our next show uh, when we feature you for our rider spotlight. Awesome, so thank you. We're excited. excited, we're excited. Good, good. So let's get started with some Harley news. Awesome. Brandy, did you hear the news? I heard great news. Oh, this, <laughs> this last week has been exciting. Has been, really exciting. Harley-Davidson has announced two new model mid-year releases and also a brand new paint set this past week. The first bike we're gonna talk about is the Anniversary Fatboy, 2020 Anniversary Fatboy. There's a look at the very first Fatboy 30 years ago, the 1990 Fatboy, very iconic with those yellow rocker boxes, uh, a little throwback to, to Terminator, just kind of a vintage, good-looking Harley-Davidson. Um, and they've made some huge strides on this new 2020 anniversary Fatboy. It's limited to 2,500 production. Uh, it's got a way more blacked-out, dark, sinister look. Um, but it's a very, very cool-looking bike. So, Nick, Scott, I think we got a picture of that 2020 Fatboy. Very cool. It actually resembles a lot like that uh, the Lowrider S. It does. The black and bronze. Very cool look. So Definitely. A little bit bigger tires, bigger fender, um, safe suspension. That is going to feature the 114-inch motor. Uh, so stop by, check it out. Very cool bike to, to come see. One of my favorite parts about that bike is the exclusivity of being a limited production, only 2,500. Badass badge on the tank that's going to have your number of where you fit in that 2,500 at least. Uh, Come see a sales guy because they're going to go quick and once they're, they're gone, they're gone. You know? Yeah, no going back. <laughs> uh, the next bike that we'd like to talk about, highly, highly anticipated, long overdue, the 2020 CVO Road Glide. There's a picture of that bad boy in the sand dune. That's the one color that's been released. Um, very, very cool paint scheme. Oh, yeah. Simple. I, I mean, it's, it's not way out there crazy too loud it's got the cvo badging on the saddlebags on the tank so you know it's that cvo but it's really kind of going to be a broad uh, spectrum of customers that are going to be interested in it just exactly. cool very cool white on black very very cool looking bike so come on down and see us we've got one coming um, and then the next thing that we're going to talk about right now is something that harley davidson has not done in quite some time in 2018 the anniversary street glide had a really badass tattoo inspired custom paint job Right there on the side of the fairing, big American Eagle, the Harley-Davidson logo, um, just a, a really different take on paint um, from what they've normally done. Um, with this new paint scheme, they just released the Eagle Eye. Uh, very, very you know, similar. Uh, the split paint between the fairing and the tank, very cool look, loud. You're gonna see that color on the road, um, but it's got some, some flavor with that Eagle on it, very cool. Um, it is a limited production as well. That paint is being installed at the factory and sent out to us, so they're showing up right off the crate in that paint. Uh, only 900 available. Uh, so we, we may have one here at the showroom, um, but come take a look. You really gotta see this thing in person. It's, it's pretty awesome. A lot of exciting stuff going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, Harley wowing us every week. Uh, we've talked about, you know, the Harley news. Now we're going to talk about 
uh, a segment on our podcast, Rider Spotlight, where we're going to be seeing you next show. Um, this week is very close to home. You know, yeah. Our girl, Nicole, part of the Red Rock crew, our marketing director, has taken the leap. She's on her first Harley-Davidson. So Nicole Rosano, our marketing director, and Robin Barrett, one of our online sales specialists and fit specialists, they're going to talk a little bit about that buying experience and how Nicole got on her dream bike. So Robin, Nicole. Hey, guys. Hey, Hi. thanks. Hey, thanks there, Vince. Uh, obviously, we've got a couple bikes here. We're going to go over a little bit on what Nicole's decision was. But first, I want to know... How did you get into riding? So I grew up around my dad, my uncles, they all rode Harleys. So it was kind of just like embedded in me, like at a really young age. Um, and when I moved out here, I started working at Harley. So it was just a matter of time. Um, started working here. I knew I just didn't you know which bike was for me yet, but. <laughs> well, so I know that you were thinking originally that maybe you were going to go towards the Sportster Iron 983. So what were some of the things that you liked about this bike that were kind of bringing you towards that direction? I think like everyone as a new rider like was like saying sports start with a sportster. But for me, um, I wanted to go on long rides. I wanted to go on adventures and group rides. So for me, um, I really liked the weight of the bike. That was like what drew me to the bike at first. It was really easy to lift. Um, and the styling was that the something style, that you liked? yeah, I kind love classic that classic design. style. I liked the gauge on this one. Um, I also really loved the handlebar. Or sorry, on this one, the handlebars were sitting a little lower, and then on the uh, street bob, they were higher. So I really gotcha. liked that on the street bob. Um, the, what do you think about the mid controls on that versus the forward? Did you prefer that? Yeah, or I prefer give a little more balance the mid or controls on this one, and that has it's the same on mine. So yeah, um, okay, that's. Well, right on. So, did you get a chance to ride it or sit on it when it was running? What did you think of it there? Was I it, hadn't been on this okay? one, but I've been on other Sportsters. But um, for me, like, it just, when I first sat on it and I turned it on, the vibration in the handles was something that I was like, I didn't feel that on Just the something that on. you weren't necessarily yeah. prepared for over there? Yeah. Okay. Well, so... I understand that there's a few different items that you did like. You like the mid controls. Uh, you did like that classic gauge and obviously the styling. So that's probably something that attracted you towards the Street Bob Softail because it's similar. It's kind of the big brother in a yeah, way. Yeah, what attracted me at first was the light. It's the first, like, I think it's the lightest of the Softail Right, family. yeah, not too so big of a weight change That there. was what first drew me. And then I really, like I said, I like the, ha the handlebars higher. Um, I like that classic look of it. It just looks amazing. <laughs> and you keep your mid controls. You've got your mid collar controls. bars that you were saying. Yeah. Now, I know that you said on the Sportster that you liked that classic gauge over yeah, here. Yeah, so I wasn't sure if I was going to like this gauge on this. This is the digital gauge, and uh, but I love it. I've been riding it, and it's really easy to read. It's simple. Um, so you've grown to love that. I grow, and I really love the LED light. Right. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Now, now, if... You had to change anything on here would you change anything i wouldn't change anything i love it well good so then you chose correctly now all right i'm gonna ask you another question have you gone on any rides and who have you gone riding with you i have rode a few times um i've only had it for a month but i have um i've been really lucky enough to go with steve who is our motorcycle instructor and um he's here with us today to talk about some safety tips well let's go talk to him vince back to you man Hey, thanks guys, Nicole. Congratulations again on that first Harley. We're happy for you. Look forward to riding with you soon.
So, Steve, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. Hey, man, very, very busy guy here, Mr. Ritchie. I'll tell you what. We'd like to first off congratulate you on retirement from Las Vegas Metro Police Department, man. That's, that's an honor. 28 years. Thank you. Thank 24 you. years on a bike. Yes. Best thing about retirement, my dad always says, more time to ride. More time to ride motorcycles. <laughs> and I know you're going to need that time. Very busy guy. Steve is not only one of the senior instructors for the Northwestern University uh, Center of Public Safety, he's also a guest instructor for the Champions Riding School, which is going to be coming here to Red Rock Harley soon. We look forward to doing that. But uh, Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I've been riding motorcycles for a long time and I've uh, been teaching police motorcycle training for 23 years. And uh, so when Nicole needed somebody to go out with her, I said, yeah, we can uh, you know, do a little riding in the parking lot. And as a, as a new rider, there's a couple things that, you know, the guys at Champ School really stress. There's really five reasons why motorcycle crashes happen. And, you know, we, I wanted Nicole to have those really to keep them up very high on her priority list when she's riding and thinking about these new things. So, you know, especially as a new rider. Um, and, I, and I'll just start with the number one reason why motorcycle crashes happen. And what do you think, Vince? Hello, Vince? What's up? Exactly. Lack of focus is the number one reason why motorcycle crashes happen. You know, you have to think about it. When you're riding a motorcycle, you've got to be focused 100% of the time. You know, when you're riding that motorcycle, it's, it's important. You know, yes, you know, we ride motorcycles because they're dangerous, right? And, and, and it looks cool but we have to be focused when we're riding a bike. And, uh, you know, there's a couple different things to think about. You know, I have friends that have mantras that they say every time before they get on a bike. You know, one of my friends says, where am I at? What am I doing? You know, where am I at? I'm getting ready to ride a motorcycle and I better be focused, you know? Um, for me, it was always when I put the helmet on and everything goes click, that was my sound to go, okay, I better be focused now on exactly what I'm doing. So, get in the you zone, know, definitely. if you think about it, you know, if you ever had any close calls when you're riding a, riding a motorcycle, driving a car, it's where was your focus? You know, what were you thinking about? Were you thinking about work? Were you thinking about getting home? Were you thinking about, hey, I got to go get the kids. I got to go go groceries, whatever. That focus really has to be high on your priority list for riding a motorcycle. Um, second reason I would say is abrupt with the controls. How many times have you heard it or somebody's come into service and said, you know, I want a bike that I twist that throttle when I yank that throttle man it sets me back in my seat get a grip of that throttle yeah, yeah right <laughs> right that's something you know, I say I'm gonna rip that throttle you know or you know they go I'm gonna grab me a fistful of brakes you know the, all those verbs or all those you know, kind of words that we have in our vocabulary we need to get them out of our vocabularies riding motorcycles we want to be smooth with those inputs so you know we don't want to say things like you know rip the throttle you know stab the brakes grab the brakes you know everything we do it has to be smooth you know um, the guys at Champ School, they talk about it, you know, going slow, nothing matters. But as you start to add speed to things, everything matters. Everything you do on a motorcycle, as you add speed to it, counts even more than what it does going slow in the parking lot. We can talk to Hero Koiso about that. Yeah. 214 miles an hour, I'm sure a whole lot more matters when you're going 214 or going 20. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you look at the guys that are riding at a very high level of MotoGP, you know, they're riding... 200 plus horsepower motorcycles at you know 200 miles an hour where do you think their focus level is and how smooth do you think they have to be with a bike that generates that much horsepower sure. you know, like smooth. so you know you got number one focus two being abrupt controls number three is you know rushing the corners going into a, a corner too fast we find out you know motorcycle crashes happen a couple places at an intersection and going wide in corners you know so you know having that speed set early entering the corner with the brakes on 
you know, things that we can talk about in future shows, but uh, you know, that, that's really high on the priority list of entering those corners with a, with a really good speed and with the brakes on, because you're under control when you have the brakes on, right? If you don't have the brakes on, you're out of control on the bike. Sure, sure. You know, and I use examples all the time when I teach. If you're familiar here in Vegas with, you know, coming down Summerlin Parkway eastbound, and you go to get on that 95 north, you have that big sweeping curve. Yep. You know, you may come through there early in the morning going to work and you say, you know, I can do that corner at 51 miles an hour because you know it and you ride it every day. You know, 51 is the perfect speed for that. But then you go through the next morning and maybe there's a little rock or debris or debris from an accident that was there the night before. And, you know, those are things that we need to have the brakes on and have the bike under control, right? So rushing those corners, number three reason, you know, and then we go into number four is repeating mistakes. You know, you make those same mistakes <coughs> over and over again. And, you know, it's the little things that add up to become a big thing. Like I said, those small mistakes of stabbing the brakes, grabbing the brakes, not being smooth with the throttle, that works in the parking lot at slow speeds. But when you repeat those mistakes one after the other, um, you know, that is Plus repeating those bad mistakes. Yeah. So I'm going to give you number five, and number five is something a lot of people don't think about is cold tires. Cold tires. You work in service, you know. What grips better, a warm tire or a cold tire? Yeah, warm tire is going to grip the road a whole warm, lot better. Warm tire. And it takes a little time for that tire to warm up, right? Because it's sure. got to flex a little bit. You know, you go up to Mount Charleston, have breakfast with your friends. You're sitting up there, you have breakfast, you go to leave. We get into the routine of yelling out every time, cold tires. That Just yelling that out loud to your friends may click enough for them to think about as they're starting down that hill at Mount Charleston and they make that bottom right-hand corner down there. Hey, my tires are a little cold. I can't ask for as much brake pressure, as much lean angle as I would need out of cold tires as I can a little warmer tire. And that could save you from a whole lot of drama. You know? yeah. the, the thing, Steve, we had a chance to talk a little bit earlier and, and the one thing that I really like about riding and getting the chance to talk with you and your experience is a lot of this stuff it really you just need that reminder sometimes yeah you know you need it because now i know next time we go to a new owner's ride up to mount charleston right. in a couple months i'll be thinking cold tires before we head down the mountain you know it, like we talked about earlier where you know when when you learn how to ride through the, the riders course and i'm sure steve practices the same spiel is you know looking where you're going we, we don't think about it nine times out of ten but when you do actually do what you were taught to do and do it the right way it just feels that much better you know, it's, it's bringing that into your life, your everyday life of riding a motorcycle. You know, a lot of us learned to ride bikes a long time ago. Like me as a little kid, I've been riding, you know, I just say over 40 years and we'll <laughs> leave it at that, uh, of riding motorcycles. But it's been in the last three years that I've changed the way I ride a motorcycle. And it's some of the things that I learned from riding with the guys in champ school that, you know, I now think about riding a motorcycle more than I just ride it. And a good friend of mine, the lead instructor, Nick Einatch there, he talks about when you take a, the skills it takes to ride a motorcycle well, and you think about that and you bring that into your everyday life, meaning those values of being smooth with the inputs and being focused and, you know, all those things, if you take that what it takes to ride a motorcycle well at a high level and you incorporate that into your everyday life, things in your everyday life get better. And they've had guys that have come through their schools that have talked about you know, when I started riding a motorcycle better, my home life got better, my relationships with my husband and wife, my kids got better, my work productivity got better because I took that same focus it took for me to ride every day and now it goes into my everyday life. And I can guarantee it, it's worked for me. I've been living it for three years and it's changed 
the way I ride a motorcycle even after riding for 40 plus years. Well, Steve, you're a hell of a guy and I know you've logged over half a million motor, uh, miles on your motorcycle, so case in point, man. But let's let that sink in. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. The Screaming Eagle 128 and 131 Stage 4 kits, the largest ever displacement offered from Harley-Davidson. You could take a 107 to 128 cubic inches, or you could take a 114 or 117 to 131 cubic inches. This is 48% more horsepower on the 131 over the 114 and 21% more torque. Offered as a Stage 4 kit to make the upgrade straightforward on any touring model with a Milwaukee 8 engine. This includes CNC ported cylinder heads, larger bore bolt-on cylinders, 64mm throttle body, and many other high-performance components. Includes an HD-backed warranty, which can be extended through the custom coverage program. And it will not impact vehicle warranty when installed at an HD dealership. Increased horsepower, increased torque, maximum bragging rights. For more Screaming Eagle, see your local Harley-Davidson dealer. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Patrick. I'm your general merchandise and motor clothes manager here at Red Rock Harley-Davidson. Once again, Nicole, I want to congratulate you on your new bike. That's thank fantastic. Thank you, thank you. Exciting, isn't it? Yes, I'm so excited. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about, we've been talking about the bikes and the features and, and safety. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the difference between the clothing that you're going to be out kicking around in and the clothing you're going to be riding in, because there are some key, key differences. We're going to start off with probably your most important piece of riding gear. That's your helmet. This is a full, what we call a full face modular, which means this whole thing kicks up and down your faceplate and your chin guard and we're going to talk about how important it is the correct fit and the correct kind of helmet for each individual so Nicole I want you to try that on how's that feel uh, it's a little big so something that's very very key I'm gonna get your turn here just a little bit I want you to just lock your neck so you're not moving when I move this now you can see the actual helmet is moving and that's a no-no so I want you to go ahead and take that off. That means that helmet's just a little bit too big. This, now this helmet size is a medium. This is helmet's, This is your personal helmet, my correct? My personal helmet, yes. And this is what we call a fixed full face. So this is not going to move a little bit more traditional look. Let's go ahead and put that on for me. Looking very badass and blacked out just like the bike. Now this is a small, a little bit different helmet, different manufacturer, and that's something that's key Two mediums can fit just a little bit different, so it's very important to have a, a specialist, just like the fit specialist for your bike, very important to have a fit specialist fit that helmet to make sure that that helmet that's on your head is the helmet that fits correctly. So now if we move this, you can see that Nicole's cheeks and her eyebrows are actually moving. So this helmet is not moving. It's nice and snug, and the key to a good helmet fit is as snug as you can get it without it being uncomfortable. How's it feel? Feels good. Okay, pull that it. back off for me. And something that's also neat about a fixed full face and many of the modular full face, the cheek pads that are here on this part of your face, we can actually change those out. Now you said you just felt a little yeah, tight when, when you I first, first got it. it. I thought I was going to, but it kind of like molded my face. Exactly. They tend to break in. It's almost like breaking in boots or shoes. So I encourage you if you get a full face helmet, if it's a little tight here, give it a little time. If it loosens up and it's comfortable, there you're great. If not, we can always change those cheek pads out. So the next thing, we're going to go to your riding gear jacket outerwear. As you can see, this is a very snazzy, fashionable jacket, but it's got some things that make it a riding jacket. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. First thing I kind of want to point out is these neat 
stripes here are not just for looks. This is made of a thing called Scotchlight. Scotchlight is the same thing, very similar technology that you see on a stop sign to where if your headlights hit that stop sign, it lights up and illuminates. That same technology is built into this jacket very, very subtly. Give me a nice model's turn all the way around. Here as well, here down the sleeves, the nice iconic barn shield there, that all has that Scotchlight coating. So this is what we call 360 degree illumination. So no matter what angle a headlight or any light source is hitting on you, this is gonna light up and the more visible you are, the more safe you are, especially in a metro area like Las Vegas. How's that feel? Feel pretty That's nice? Good, yeah. Another nice thing about a riding jacket is, as you see the sleeves, tend to be a little longer than a fashion jacket. They also tend to be pre-curved because we're thinking about you spending more time like this than spending more time like that. So you can see it's nice and long there. Zippers here where you can cuff it up to keep the wind out. So go ahead and pull that off. And you had a question for me about this. Yeah, the back, like what's all this stuff on the back? So what this is, grab a hold of that shoulder. This is called an action back. This is a very common feature on a riding jacket. Another one of the differences between riding and fashion is it looks really cool, but it's also very functional. So if you just hold on to that, you can see this is almost like a hinge. We have elastic in here, so this moves. So again, when you're on the bike and you're moving like this, that's gonna give you a lot of give and take without the whole jacket moving. So just another subtle difference. Same thing down here on this particular model. This is elastic as well, so it's gonna keep it nice and tight around the waist, nice and long down here. So that's some of the key differences between a riding jacket and a fashion jacket. And last but certainly not least, you see these, we have pockets here and very subtle pockets up here at the shoulders. What that is, is they make Kevlar body armor for your jackets. It's interchangeable with all the Harley-Davidson jackets. You can change it from your summer to your winter jacket. But it's Kevlar, as Steve well knows. That's what they make bulletproof vests out of. So very, very tough shoulders, elbows, key impact points. Heaven forbid if you do ever need that. It's a very, very important thing to have. I believe these are yours, ma'am. Yes, these are mine. So now we're going to go to them. your hands. Not only talk about safety a little bit, because, of course, abrasion resistant, but comfort. Everybody thinks about gloves in the wintertime. It's cold. My hands are cold. I want to put some gloves on. But those, those that Nicole have here, pretty kind of a light summer, yeah. springtime glove, right? I've been wearing them. I and you love them. them. Yeah. So one of the features of this is perforated leather. Very, very comfortable, breathes well. But if you look here, a subtle difference between a fashion glove and a riding glove, we have reinforcement gel here and on the inside of your knuckles. Those are the key fatigue points when you're riding for a long time. That's where you're getting on the grip. So this is really gonna help with your comfort on longer rides. It's a subtle thing, but you will notice the difference if you're wearing a good pair of riding gloves. Another thing that you can't really see with Nicole having her glove on, this is a little heavier winter glove. These are 30% pre-curved fingers, kind of like we talked about in the jacket. That automatically puts you in that position. It's gonna really help with your hand fatigue. Same thing, subtle padding here and here. So it makes a big, big difference and you guys, you always wear them in the wintertime, you want to keep your hands warm. You'd be surprised how much cooler your hands are when you're out here. It's 105 and we're all riding. When you've got your knuckles out in that wind, it's almost like having a hair dryer right there. You put a nice, breathable leather glove on, your hands are actually cooler covered and safer than they are when you're barehanded. So just something to think about. And last but certainly not least, we're going to go to your foundation. Let's go to your riding boots. Now, Nicole, tell me about these that you're wearing right now. So I got these. I wear them every day to work. I love them. They're very comfortable. Cool, fashionable, comfy. Yes. And these are Harley-Davidson boots, but these are what we call an after riding boot or a casual boot. They have a lot of the same features as a riding boot. There's a couple key differences that I want to talk about. All leather uppers, but I want to show me the sole on that particular boot. 
So this is kind of a polyurethane, very cool, very comfortable. But one of the big differences when people ask me, what's the difference between a riding boot and a fashion boot is the sole. Big difference here, this is what we call a riding sole. This is one of the best riding soles they do. This is abrasion resistant and very, very important, it's oil resistant. So it's really gonna stick to the ground a lot better than like a fashion boot. We live in Las Vegas, not a lot of rain, not a lot of precipitation out here. We get a lot of oil buildup on the road. So you wanna be confident and secure when you're down on that bike and that's your foundation. So you wanna be really sticking to that pavement and that oil resistant sole, very, very important difference between a riding boot and a fashion boot. Also very heat resistant. Pipes are right there. These are nice and blacked out, but you don't need any more black on them. And you certainly don't want it off right. the sole of your boot, okay? <laughs> so another important thing, very heat resistant. One of the key differences between a riding boot and a fashion boot. And this particular boot that Nicole actually was looking at earlier, this is really, we just got this in. This is actually a reflective material in here that uh, basically keeps you cooler. This boot's gonna be about 30% cooler than an all leather boot. So we're right around the corner from spring and summer, something to think about. So. We've got Nicole taken care of, top I'm to bottom. I'm going to see you about these boots later. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about those later. So we got her taken care of, top to bottom. I'm going to kick it back to my buddy that takes care of your bike, top to bottom, Vince over in service. Thanks a lot, guys. Welcome back, guys. Thanks, Patrick. So we've talked about how to get you on your first Harley-Davidson. We've talked about how to get you geared up to ride that Harley-Davidson. Now let's talk a little bit about your bike. Uh, quick five minutes, especially with Steve talking about some safety, a couple things you want to take a look at before you get on your bike and you take that ride. Uh, if you do it right, it'll take three to five minutes tops, but it's something that could potentially save your life and help you enjoy your ride a little Sorry, bit more. Uh, quick breakdown, T-Clocks, T-C-L-O-C-S. This is going to be a quick walk around on the bike. First thing you want to take a look at is the tires. Check your tire pressure. Not only is it going to get you more life out of your tire, but it's going to be a key. I mean, this is this is what's between your machine and the ground. So always take a look at your tires for any obvious cracks, nails, anything that could possibly be an issue. Uh, next thing you want to take a look at is your controls, especially with the hydraulic clutch that comes on a lot of these models now. Give your clutch a good grab. Make sure you've got good pressure. Make sure that when you pull out of the driveway, you're not going to have an issue before you start that bike up and start riding. Give a nice tug on your cables make sure they're not snagged up everything's moving nice and free like it's supposed to when you go to fire the bike up throw it on real quick take a quick walk around check your turn signals check and make sure your horns doing what it's supposed to you've got brake lights so they're going to see you when you go to stop and everything's good there for your oil levels make sure you've got oil in the bike more importantly take a quick look underneath your bike it's been parked check it out make sure that you don't have any oil leaking out that again could give you a safety issue if it gets on your controls or leave you stuck on the side of the road for the chassis, you want to just kind of go through and just look for anything that doesn't look right. I mean, loose nuts, bolts, fasteners, make sure nothing's falling off. Everything's where it's supposed to and that everything is there that you need to have a good ride. Um, and then check your, your belt or your chain. Take a look at that. Make sure that you've got good tension. You know, we, we don't expect you to, to do a full service on your bike, but just a quick couple minutes could be really be the difference between a good ride and a bad ride. Um, check your side stand, your kickstand. Make sure that you've got a good operation there so when you go to put it down, you're not going to have a problem when you finish your ride. As well as taking a look at your bike before and how important that can be, after you're done riding is just as important. Um, especially if your bike's going to be sitting for an extended period of time. We offer storage here at Red Rock Harley if you know it's going to be here. Um, but 
If you have a carbureted bike, turn that fuel valve off. Let the bike stall out. Take all the fuel out of the carbs. So you don't have to worry about that being clogged up. Even with fuel-injected bikes, make sure you're putting some fuel stabilizer in the tank, filling the tank up all the way. Uh, you know, rotate your tires if you have the opportunity. Always before you take it out of storage and you're going to ride it again, let a professional take a look at it. Sometimes not riding can be just as detrimental to a bike as riding too much. So come and see us. Here at Red Rock Harley-Davidson, one of the nation's top service departments, we have an awesome special still running for the rest of this month. Bring a written estimate to me or any of our service riders from anywhere, from the other guys, from the buddy up the street. Anything on paper that shows what you're being charged for a major service or any work to your bike, come bring it to us, and we're going to offer that until the last day of this month. Um, so great opportunity to have, a, have us take a look at your bike, show you what we're capable of, and you'll never want to go to the other guys again. I think that about wraps it up for today. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys joining us. Brandy, Steve, Steve, where'd Steve go? Hey Vince, Steve, one of 900. I have to test ride this thing. I got the so, shop covered, man. Have fun. I'm going out on a ride. I'll see you later. Ride safe.